Are you tired of being told what to think and how to act? Well, you are not alone. In case you haven't realized it, you have an internal GPS. It knows all you need to know about how to live your life. So it's about time you stopped letting the media and the government tell you what is true for you. In fact, it is exactly that time. It's time to think for yourself. And here to make sure you're doing just that is your host, mediator, author, and lawyer, Carol Gold. Hi, it's Monday, February 21st. I'm Carol Gold and welcome to Think for Yourself. I want to talk about a new way of looking at the world. But in order to do that, I want to go way back to the way I looked at the world when I was a toddler. When I was very young and I would bump into an inanimate object like a chair or a table or a door, I used to say, excuse me. Actually, I couldn't say the word excuse. I used to say kubi. So I would say kubi chair or kubi door. And my parents used to always correct me and say, you don't have to say excuse me or you're sorry to a thing. You only have to do that to a person. Well, I live in the real world along with everyone else, or at least the 3D world. And I, like other children, are raised by the perceptions and the ethics and the morals of their parents. And so after a while, probably not too long, I stopped outwardly saying, excuse me to inanimate objects, but I never stopped internally. And as strange as that may sound throughout my entire life, Two things have been true about my perception of other things and other sentient beings, other feeling beings. Number one, I believe and always have that they have some sense of consciousness or feeling. And so that's why when I bump into an inanimate object, I say, excuse me, silently to myself. It's also why And I guess the best example is when I was about 16 years old, my parents and I used to go to a restaurant in Philadelphia called Bookbinders. And it was a very famous, world famous actually, seafood restaurant right there on the Delaware River. And when you walked into Bookbinders, and if it's still there, maybe today, I don't know, there was a huge tank of live lobsters right in the front of the restaurant. And when you entered, you could pick out the lobster you wanted and they would take it in the back and boil it. I hated going to that restaurant. I have a friend who used to say to me, you're the only person I know who can walk past the tank of lobsters in bookbinders and feel sorry for their confinement. And it's true because all of my life from that very early toddler stage, I perceived that everything had a level of consciousness, a level of awareness. Well, Imagine my joy, the only word I can think to use, when I saw an article today on panpsychism. What is panpsychism? Well, it can start off sounding a little way out there because it's got that word psych like psychic in it, panpsychism. But in reality, philosophers and neuroscientists and physicists are currently looking at panpsychism and giving it more and more scientific and philosophical credibility. So before I get into what it is, let me tell you what prevailing existing theories are on consciousness. 
There's the school of materialism, which believes that consciousness comes from physical matter. But the problem with that perspective is how do you get consciousness out of a non-conscious source, meaning matter? The second is dualism. And dualism says about consciousness that it's separate and distinct from matter. And so the problem with that approach is then how does consciousness interface or interact with matter if it's separate and distinct? Well, if I can refer to an English scientist whose name was Eddington, he was actually the scientist who in the early 20th century experimentally confirmed Einstein's theory of relativity. Eddington said there's a gap in our picture of the universe. We know what matter does, but not what it is we can put consciousness in that gap. So now if you add to what Eddington said, the question that Stephen Hawking asked, which is, what is it that breathes fire into the equations and makes a universe for those equations to describe? Hawking is really referring to what is that as yet unidentified or as named source of energy that even lets us construct equations to measure the universe. Eddington's proposal kind of responds to Hawking's question, which is, it's consciousness that breathes fire into those equations. So now let me talk about panpsychism as opposed to materialism or dualism. And why am I talking about it? Because we need to be aware of consciousness and the power of consciousness and its connectivity and its interrelatedness that we all have with one another, specifically now because of what we're all being asked and challenged to do. And I'll get there a little later on in the podcast, but right now, panpsychism. Panpsychism says that every single particle in existence has what's called an unimaginable, simple form of consciousness. In other words, there's some inherent subjective experience of consciousness in even the smallest particle. So that let's say a table, right? A table could really be understood to be a collection of particles that each have their own form of consciousness but the aggregation of those particles gives the table a certain level of consciousness because the whole is greater than its parts. Let me just, again, interject a personal note here. To this day, my daughter laughs when I do this, but when I come out of the supermarket, if I have a cart and I put it back in the cart corral, and there's one cart that's alone in the cart corral, and I can put my cart into one of several chutes in that cart corral, I always put it in with the one that has one in it already because I don't want them to be alone. Now, if you've stopped laughing at what I just said, you have to understand that to this day, I believe everything has some level of conscious awareness, and I don't know to what degree it has it. And so I try to honor everything in the form in which it currently resides without my being certain of its level of awareness of me or what I'm doing to it. Now, this ties in really well, actually perfectly with the book I wrote, because my book, The Questions God Will Ask, Prepping for the Final Exam, is all about energy and how we are all connected through energy. 
And actually, we are all connected through something that I'm not even sure is a form of energy. I'm not sure what consciousness is in its, let's say, in its multi or its dimensionality. I'm not sure what it is and if it falls into the category of energy or the definition of energy. But I will say this. In my book, I talk about right useness, which is the rightful use of energy. And that if we all use energy properly, meaning we don't plug, let's say, a 120 appliance into a 220, 210, whatever it is in Europe, socket, because we blow the appliance and we cut the circuit, it's the same thing with us and energy. If I use my energy, that which is mine in my body in this lifetime to hate you, I get a very different outcome in the world than if I use my energy to love you. Again, it's all about the rightful use of energy. Consciousness, I believe, performs similarly, which is why I have respect for what even seems to be inanimate objects, because I want to be using my energy in the universe correctly. And everything I do, I want to try to do with an awareness of the sensitivity of that which is on the other side of whatever it is I'm doing. Let me get back to panpsychism. Neuroscientist Peter Goff proposes that the universe as a whole is consciousness and that the world we live in is created top down so that it begins with consciousness and everything flows from there. The universe is as a whole consciousness and the world is created top down, meaning first there's consciousness and everything flows from it. Well, if it's true that it's created top down, but if the spiritual concept of as above, so below is also true or as below, so above, then if we begin with consciousness and everything flows downward from it, ultimately reaching the material world, then what we do with our level of consciousness reverberates in the opposite direction as well. And we either harmonize with superconsciousness, or we create outcomes that are antagonistic to creation, to the flow of consciousness downward to the level at which we live. I realize that I'm in the deep end with you here today, but it ties in so beautifully to where Canada and the United States are at the moment. And again, I, I just ask you to hang in so we can get there. Let me go back to what Philip Goff said about the universe being consciousness. But in particular, let me talk about a specific aspect, which is called quantum entanglement. Quantum entanglement states that in essence, certain particles behave in a single unified manner, even when they are separated by immense differences where there can't possibly be a causal signal going between one to the other. Well, they've proven this with electrons, right? They can separate electrons by an infinite distance. And what happens to one electron has a reaction to the other electron, which is nowhere near the original electron. So they've split an electron and they've done something to the one electron and the other one has a reaction equal and opposite to the one or equal to, not opposite, the one that the initial impact or action was received by. Okay. Why does that matter with what's happening around us right now? Well, it matters because... For example, in Canada, 
Trudeau's response to a peaceful demonstration by truckers, because there was not one evidence of violence throughout three weeks of protest, his response was violence by the police. Indisputable, videotaped, memorialized, unjustifiable violence. Energies that operate at the same frequency will, in essence, travel and manifest in the same way. You strike a a middle C on a piano or you strike a middle C on a guitar, it's going to be riding the same frequency. You're going to get the same sound. Fear is a frequency. I've talked about it before. There are only two major frequencies, fear and love. Fear is a frequency. When someone responds so violently and disproportionately to something so non-threatening at the level that violence is created, that person is responding out of fear. That's what Justin Trudeau did. He responded out of fear, fear to a threat of his power, fear to a threat of his authority, fear to a threat of his agenda. But similarly, on that other frequency of love, those energies that are riding that frequency will travel and manifest similarly the frequency of love. Love and personal freedom go hand in hand. Fear and oppression and control also go hand in hand. This morning, I listened to a trucker who called into a talk show who was so eloquent in his simplicity and in his genuineness. And what he said essentially is this, that he's worked hard to be his own boss. He owns his own truck, finally. His wife does not want him to join the convoy in the U.S. that's beginning this week and heading toward Washington. Why? Because she sees what's happened in Canada. Not just the breaking up and the arresting of those protesters, but the freezing of their bank accounts. People who can no longer buy food, who can no longer pay their bills, their mortgage. What are those people to do? I remember a couple of weeks ago when it was made public that Justin Trudeau had spoken with Joe Biden and Joe Biden had encouraged him to use federal power to stop the protesters. And in fact, that's what Trudeau did. So I can only assume that Biden is planning the same thing for our truckers. And so there is a consciousness of fear on the planet and there is a consciousness of love on the planet. And the love is exhibited by those of us who are coming from our hearts. Those of us who stand unmovable in the light and the truth of what we know to be the right thing to do, the rightful use of energy. Violence is never the rightful use of energy. It's destructive. It's a last resort of desperation. And certainly the initiator of violence is always someone who is frightened and attempting to control. So this trucker, although he understands his wife's concerns and he has his own, he feels like he said he's in a founder's moment, meaning the founding fathers of our country and founding mothers of our country. He means that he knows what he's risking, but he has to do it because it's the right thing to do because our freedoms are being taken from us one by one slowly encroached like the frog right in the water when the water is turned up slowly until the frog doesn't even realize it's in boiling water and it's dead we have no leader there's no one leading this 
I call it the brigade of the willing. There's no one leading the brigade of the willing. There's no one leader. The reason is we're living in a time when it's up to each one of us now. We're not going to get a leader. We're asked to be a leader, each in our own way. You know, in the Torah, in the Bible, it says, quote, See this day I set before you blessing and curse. Blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God that I enjoin upon you this day. And curse if you do not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn away from the path that I enjoin upon you this day and follow other gods whom you have not experienced. I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day. I have put before you life and death. Choose life. There are two words in that paragraph that strike me, and that are the words other gods, enjoined from turning to other gods. I spoke about it, I think, in the last podcast or the one before that. I talked about fascism being idol worship because fascism is an ideology. And as I said in that podcast, if you take the E out of ideology, you're left with idology. And I believe that that's what fascism is. It's worship of power. It's worship of a concentration of power at the expense of the multitude that are oppressed. It is as old as humanity and it's reared its ugly head again. And now it's up to each one of us to say, not on my watch, not now, not in front of me. I'm willing to risk it all. Again, if I can refer back to that quote that I just read from the Bible, from the Torah, it speaks of choosing the good and advises us to choose life. But I'm not delusional. I know that in reality, when we have to make tough choices, it's not always clear which path to choose. It's not always easy to distinguish the blessing from the curse. If it were really easy, we wouldn't make so many errors along the way when we make those choices. And in fact, sometimes we make a decision based on our perception of reality and afterward, even when it becomes clear that the decision was made on the basis of mistaken assumptions, we humans seem unable or we're unwilling to change the decisions we've made. I think we've seen this with COVID and I am concerned that we're going to see it politically. There are people who know they made a mistake. They made a mistake voting for Biden. They made a mistake thinking that he was the illusion he was pretending to broadcast from his basement in Delaware. And yet I think they are reluctant to say, I made a mistake. I made a bad decision. Look at where we've come in a year. It's a different country. So that those people who choose wrongly and know it in hindsight, even when they end up being subservient to their choice, even when it has become a curse, not a blessing, they seem unable to admit that they could have made a better choice and need to make it now. Our truckers are putting it all on the line. Truckers were lucky if they were getting $2 a mile compensation prior to COVID. Now with the supply chain shortage, they can get six or seven or eight dollars a mile for transport. So those truckers in that convoy in Canada who sat for three weeks peacefully doing nothing but asking to be heard, asking for an audience with the prime minister, 
Those truckers in that convoy, as with the U.S. truckers here, are giving up probably their one and only opportunity to become really wealthy, but they're giving it up for the right reason. They are risking losing their form of livelihood and access to their bank accounts that buy food, pay their mortgage, and their health care. They're doing it for the right reason. Those truckers and others like them are choosing life. Trudeau and anyone like him is choosing death. They are worshiping a false idol, the ideology, the ideology of fascism. They're using force, which is motivated by fear, and that fear is the loss of their own power. Let's go back to consciousness. Let's go back to the rightful use of energy. We're all connected. I'm going to paraphrase what Eddington said. It is our consciousness that breathes the fire into matter. Use your consciousness rightly. Stay off the frequency of fear. Stay on the frequency of love. Seek out and stand with people of like mind. They are your brothers and sisters in what is clearly the battle of our lifetime. To stand in the light of truth, the light of personal freedom, and the light that emanates from the human heart. Thanks for listening. I'm Carol Gold. I'll be back here again on, what would that be? Wednesday. Until then, by all means, think for yourself. Carol thanks you for spending your valuable time with her. It is her mission to empower you to remember how smart and capable you are. Be sure to check out Carol's website, carolgold.com. That's Carol with an E, gold.com. Please leave a review and subscribe here so you'll be alerted to Carol's next podcast. Until then, above all else, remember, it's time to think for yourself.